This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, August 31st, 2022 edition, and I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited for this hour with you. And we are now at the end of the eighth month of the year, means we are two-thirds the way through this year, and it's been an eventful one, uh, a very different market environment than you were experiencing last year. And for many, that means pain. For many, it means confusion. Uh, But for others, it means opportunity. And the big question is, where is the risk and where is the opportunity in today's market? So I'm here to help answer your finance and investment questions and give you the tools to figure out where the risks are and the opportunities. So my phone number, as always, is 888-99-CHART. You can call anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And most people are going to do it after hours, leave a message, and that's perfectly fine. But we also record this live, 4 to 5 Pacific time, each and every weekday, which means you can call and ask your question and talk to me live as well. So I encourage you to do that. Same number, 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today concerns this question. Is the China's debt bomb ready to explode? A reckoning for China's domestic real estate bubble may be imminent. And we're going to look at that and what the reaction function might be for the Chinese government. I also have some other topics to discuss. One would be retirement planning. A lot of people rely heavily on their 401k, but there's other aspects to consider as well. So we're going to look at that. Also, inflows into what are called buffer funds. So ones that employ some type of option strategy that is getting a lot of uh, asset flows recently. And I think that's something that we want to look at. And then lastly, if we have time, we're going to touch on globalization and how there might be a middle ground between deglobalization and globalization and uh, look at the the pros and cons each way. All right. So that's what's on the docket for me today. But ultimately, I'm here to answer your questions. And I see we have some voice bank questions ready to play as well. We might get into one on P&G, PG&E Corp, as well as Ally Financial, as well as your questions. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART for your live questions. Now let's check in on the market today. We had uh, a pretty decent down day to close the week. We closed the month down about 2% on the S&P. Today we were down about almost 1%, 30 one points on the S&P to 39.55. It was the second fall through day to below the 50-day moving average, so that's definitely something to consider on uh, the on the um, definitely consider 
uh, from a technical perspective to watch if we can recapture that level. Uh, what was interesting, the, the VIX was down, so that might be a tell that tomorrow uh, you may get a rebound after you know selling into the end of the month, uh, end of the month window dressing, selling the things that didn't do well, buying into the things that did do well. Uh, you had energy that was uh, uh, down a bit today, but certainly recovered throughout the day. Um, so you had a bit of reversal on a lot of those names down big in the morning and, and recovered. Uh, you had the 10 year, the 10 year was up about two basis points. So pushing up to that 3.2% rate, which would be near the high is the first kind of resistance point that we saw in the month of May. Uh, that's kind of started this really choppy period between early May and now the end of August. And so you know, the big question, are we going to get a breakout? Now we do have tomorrow some important data points. Uh, today we had the ADP jobs number, which certainly disappointed. It came in around 100 and I believe it was 128,000 jobs where economists were expecting over 300,000 jobs. So that was the third consecutive month of deceleration in job creation. Uh, but the more important figure that comes out tomorrow will be the ISM manufacturing number, not just the index, but the prices paid index, which is often a leading indicator. And then Tuesday will be, I think, an even more important one, which will be the services PMI number that also includes the prices paid index, which is very correlated with the CPI. So when everyone focuses on the CPI, which is closer to mid-month, but these ISM figures are good proxies for what you should expect from the CPI number, which will feed into uh, Fed policy uh, when they do meet in the month of September. So uh, that's a, the one I'll be watching tomorrow to see if we get more fall through the downside because we are seeing a large pullback in the CPI prices paid indices on both the manufacturing and the services one. Tomorrow is important, but once again, services on Tuesday will be even more important. That was the market today, definitely into some support, uh, but we're waiting on some big economic figures through between now and next Tuesday. We also have Friday, we have the jobs number, and that will be vital as well. Now let's get to our first caller question now, a live call from Sam in San Francisco, wants to talk about Amazon. Yeah, uh, hi Justin, thanks for taking my call. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd like to know the entry point uh, into Amazon. Um, I, I definitely think it's lower. Uh, Amazon is a name that supposed to make 10 cents a share this year and $2 and 30 cents next year. We're talking about 50 plus forward looking multiple. Uh, certainly during the era of globalization and cheap goods and goods that easily flowed and cheap transportation costs or energy costs, you know, think of gas to deliver all their products. Uh, they did very well, but in an inflationary world, they're struggling uh, in a big, big way, especially when you're promising Amazon Prime members two-day delivery. Uh, that is becoming more and more expensive, and that's been eating into their profits. Revenues last quarter were up 7% year over year, but they've lost money the last two quarters. So I'm not touching this probably until $70 per share. So low 70s, I would think about it, but now it's at 126. So I'm holding off on Amazon. Thanks for the call. Now we're heading into a break and I welcome your finance and investment questions right now. No question is too simple or too complex. You set the agenda. 
for Give Invest Talk a call at 888-99-SHARK. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi, Justin. I was looking to consolidate my portfolio and reducing my biotech exposure. I've owned Vertex Pharmaceuticals, ticker VRTX, for a few years now, and I'm currently at 30%. Can you let me know how you would approach selling out of the stock? It looks like it's making higher lows and maybe ready for another leg up, so I'm not sure. Would you set a trailing stop or sell at a certain price? Let me know your thoughts. Thank you for your advice. Bye. Well, you're trying to consolidate your portfolio. You're trying to trim your biotech exposure and it sounds like you're trying to trim this just because you're up on it what about your other names that you might be down on that are losing money you know at least veritech uh, vertex excuse me uh continues to make more and more money each year earnings are expected to be up 41 percent this year six percent next year and those estimates are actually being upgraded by analysts so uh they have minimal debt i wouldn't be in a huge hurry to sell this um now uh, it has started to weaken technically over the past couple of months, but not to a large degree, just kind of hinting at uh, maybe a pullback to the 200-day moving average. Uh, but all the major, all the moving averages are, are pointed higher. Uh, I would just rebalance it, frankly, uh, and try to get it back down to a, a, uh, maybe your original allocation of the portfolio. Uh, and I would trim the names in the biotech space that are losing money, because that's what you... That's where we really need to focus because in this environment with higher inflation and higher cost of capital, meaning higher interest rates, the biotechs, which are the vast majority of biotechs uh, that lose money, are going to have trouble staying in business and they're just going to have to continue to dilute shareholders, which is what they typically do by issuing more and more shares and, and promising the cure for the next disease. Uh, and so if you're looking to trim your biotech exposure, this is not the place that I would be doing it, but it is a good time to trim a little bit and rebalance to uh, a lower percentage. Now, my focus point concerns this question, is China's debt bomb ready to explode? And this is important because China is the second largest economy in the world, uh, but there's other problems within China that besides just uh, their allegiance to uh, Russia, but they have a lot of 
economic mismanagement over the years. And the debt bomb looks like it's, it could explode soon. Now explode is relative. Uh, and remember that China is an authoritar authoritarian regime. And historically they have during times, tough times, they have resorted to extreme measures. Uh, and the last time was 08. And a big reason we pulled out of the financial crisis was a lot of liquidity that was created by China. You know, the, these ghost cities that are now the subject of a lot of these loans that are defaulting, the start of that was during the rebound from the 08 crisis. You know, we were a big customer of China, uh, the biggest customer of China during the, the financial crisis. And they saw that they can't be completely reliant on us uh, for their business. And actually now Europe is their biggest customer. And so they pivoted uh, in their export business away from the U.S. as being this pre you know, the sole uh, sole customer, but they also pivoted to investing in a lot of real estate and individuals in China have done the same because it's their, their equity markets are, are very difficult and, uh, to, and very volatile. And it's kind of part of the, the culture there. Uh, if you want to get married, you likely need to be a homeowner. Uh, and so there's just this culture of, of owning homes even more than it is here. Uh, but this over-reliance on investment in real estate has led to 50 million empty or unfinished units uh, that were bought on spec, which means, you know, deposits put down before they're actually built. And this is equivalent to one third of all housing units here in the U.S. Now, Beijing itself, it's owed one trillion dollars by local governments or sorry, governments around the world uh, that they lent to via the Belt and Road Initiative. And, and that is a lot of those are defaulting because they didn't pay attention to the credit quality. All they focused on were the strategic and strategic, strategic politically motivated reasons for giving out these loans. And mainly they were debt traps. And Sri Lanka is one example of them uh, where that country is kind of basically in shambles. Uh, now, because of uh, could be, you could call it uh, China's uh, debt, as well as ESG mandates, et cetera, that have really uh, crippled that country. And so the big question is, will China forgive those loans? Will they restructure them? Will they walk away? Will there be a backlash? And there's been a backlash in many countries uh, in regards to these Baton Road uh, loans. And you're starting to see some social unrest there. Um, and you know, I actually think this is peak China, peak China. Everyone talks about China surpassing the U.S. I see this very similar to Japan. Remember when Japan was taking over the world, uh, Honda and Toyota were taking our, our auto market and everyone was saying, well, uh, Japan's going to surpass us. Well, they didn't. Part of that was demographics and resources. Well, China has the same issue. They have poor demographics and resources as well, and they have an authoritarian regime. So I think it's a poor place to invest. Now, will they create uh, a cascading effect globally? That's yet to be seen. I think they will do what it takes to hold the system together because that's what the authoritarian regimes do. Now we're heading into a break and I'm ready for your calls right now at 888-99-CHART. 
one of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Hi, this is Leo Los Gatis, and my question is a PG&E ticker PCG. I have it in my portfolio. It's it's underwater on profits, but the reason I hold on to it, I figure it's the only girl in town, one of the biggest utility outfits out there. But what is your read on PG&E? Cut your losses, or I know they cut their dividends a couple of years ago. They haven't zero dividends, but should I just hold on to it, which I've been doing, and waiting for her to come back? And you can give me some uh, opinion on that. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. This is PG&E. This is one of the largest uh, utilities, especially here in uh, California. And they had some issues uh, with wildfires, and that's been hanging over their head. They actually emerged from bankruptcy in July of 2020. And, you know, the that's the big issue here is that the California laws haven't really changed around the liability of on the utilities for these wildfires. And the big question is, are they really to blame? Is it climate change? Is it uh, just uh, warmer weather? Uh, you know, can they be expected to maintain all their power lines safely uh, without causing uh, any types of fires, etc.? And I just don't like the operation. I don't like the operating backdrop from a legal standpoint for PG&E and the California utilities. So there's a lot of great utilities out there that pay a dividend. Um, so I would actually move on. I would sell this and move on. Thanks for the call. Let's go talk to Emilios in San Francisco. He wants to talk about Google. Good, Emilios. How are you? I'm wonderful. Wonderful. Let's Good. Keep rolling. Keep Thank it rolling. you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. Uh, wanted to ask you if you feel Google is a good time to buy. What What you feel is a is a good entry point. Uh, I definitely think it's lower. Uh, Google's in the crosshairs of a slowing economy. And the last time we had an economy slowing to this degree, we were in the midst of a financial crisis, but online online advertising was only 8% of all ad spending back in 08. Now it's 60%. And so it's going to be much more tied to the economic uh, the economic uh, cycle. And you're already seeing that with earnings down 1% year over year last quarter. Uh, and they're coming into a lot of tough comps where people are spending a lot of money in 2020 and 2021 on ad spending. So uh, I, I think it's certainly much lower. Our value is closer to uh, closer to $70 per share. Now it's at 109. Uh, so I would be very patient on Google. From a technical perspective, I don't see support, major support, until about $90 per share. So uh, I still think it goes lower uh, as we as the economy continues to slow and we slide into 
uh, a recession of some type. It's just a question of how bad it will be. Um, so certainly on, it should be on everyone's watch list, a good company, uh, obviously the, the number one search engine uh, in the world, but not a name I'm getting into right now. Thanks for the call. Now, from time to time, we receive questions via email, and this one came in from KK. said, would you explain whether it is a good idea to own covered call ETFs in a portfolio? Advantages and disadvantages. The example would be XYLD, and this is the iShares, is it the iShares? Well, sorry, the Global X S&P covered call ETF. And let me go over covered calls, because we, we run a covered call strategy, and covered calls are long-term, if you execute it correctly, you tend to boost returns and lower volatility. So would I say that a cover call strategy is a good strategy to own if you're trying to get a, have a little bit le less risk than the overall market? I would say yes. Uh, now, is it going to buffer you completely if the market sinks dramatically? No, it will not. Okay, so don't expect it to be your savior and go up when the market's going down. No, what it's going to be is a lower risk way, not a low risk way, a lower risk way of participating in that particular uh, index and various ETFs, cover call ETFs, track different indices. This one just happens to track the most popular, which is the S&P 500. Ultimately, though, you need to understand that you want to own the underlying assets, so the S&P in this case. And if you're comfortable own, uh, owning the underlying assets, then I think this is, uh, this is fine. Uh, now, how we do it is we have a value-based approach. We're buying only dividend-paying stocks, and then we're bringing in more income by selling and rolling calls uh, each and every month. And so that's a way to continually bring an income to the portfolio and still have the underlying asset that we have confidence in uh, and uh, are likely to outperform. Uh, and so that's the way to think about these. Are they fine to own? Yes. Uh, Long-term, they're probably a better risk-adjusted return uh, than just the index itself. Thanks for the call. Now, on the next Invest Talk, the story behind this headline. Despite recession fears, most 401k investors haven't changed their portfolios. And this is according to Fidelity Investment Report. Only 5% of 401ks and 403p investors shifted their asset allocation during the second quarter of 2022. That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, and we're going to take your questions live at 888 chart Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy, and where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip, or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone with millions of users. It's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process. 
designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888-99-CHART. Now let's touch a bit on retirement. And most Americans don't have a retirement plan, even those that are saving a ton. And when I say retirement plan, I don't just mean laying out the numbers. That's something we do for clients is looking at full assets and liabilities, cash flows, income and expenses, all of those things are go into uh, modeling out a retirement plan when it comes to the dollars and cents. And that certainly is important to lay out and, and understand. Uh, but building a nest egg might be essential, but isn't the only thing that comes with mapping out your post-career decades. And new retirees who neglect to plan often flounder with structure of their, their semi-careers post-retirement, unsure of how to fill their, their days, and they lose social connections that they had when they were working. And the things that they thought might fulfill them oftentimes don't. And it takes about two years typically to settle into retirement. And among those who have been retired for less than two years, 46% struggle to find their new purpose. 
And among the challenges they face, 36% said they mentioned the difficulty in learning how to organize their time. 27% said they felt out of sync with their unretired partners or friends. And there's some ways that you can kind of preempt some of these problems that uh, new retirees get into. And there's three. One is to experiment. The first year, think of the first year as a gap year and use the time to explore new hobbies, take some courses, experiment with your schedule, what time you go to bed, what time you get up, what time you eat, etc. And use these initial months to talk with former colleagues, conduct uh, interviews uh, with nonprofits if you want to volunteer your time, uh, reconnect with old friends, and take that vacation that you've been wanting to. So all those things can really help you explore and find that next purpose for you. And what you find fulfilling could surprise you, maybe very different than what you thought going in. And also be patient, okay, Have, give leeway. Don't think that you need to find your groove right away. Like I said, it usually takes a couple of years. Another thing that a lot of retirees get sucked into is they don't set boundaries for the people that are relying on them in retirement. So oftentimes they might go work part-time for their company as a consultant or to get um, you know, new employees up to speed or whatever. And they promise to work a set number of, number of hours a week or a month, uh, but that often grows. And so making sure that type of situation doesn't delay your retirement. Another is grandkids, uh, where their kids might expect them to spend more time with the grandkids, watch the grandkids when uh, their kids are off to work. Uh, but that can often just override all the other things that you might want to do in retirement. And so make sure that you are clear with the, those type of obligations that you do sign up for and make sure they don't grow to become all-encompassing and prevent other more fruitful things for you to, to do. And then lastly was fight boredom. And a lot of people deal with this and you gain time and freedom, but you lose routine, identity, and mental stimulus uh, in, in retirement often. And you know, golf for a lot of people is one thing, but whatever that is, it oftentimes becomes a job as opposed to uh, something you truly enjoy. And so you want to consider what would, what would cause you to have no regrets about how you spend your valuable time. Uh, so don't get sucked into anything and be aware of the risks of seeking support before you can um, get into a healthy groove. Uh, asking for help is not a bad thing. Trying to figure it out it might need uh, a help from a colleague, a friend, a family member, etc., and work on building an ideal life for your retirement before you get there so you can ease the adjustment and make sure you have friends to socialize outside of the workplace as well as stay involved in the community, go to events before you actually uh, do retire. And all those things can can ease the burden once you, once you do retire. Um, and so uh, I thought that was always interesting to, to touch on because we do touch on the financial, the qualitative aspect of finances uh, and your life. 
but sorry, the quantitative, excuse me, the quantitative is what we talk about, right? That's what investing is. But the qualitative is the quality of life that you are living in a retirement that is often under discussed. Now let's keep things moving. Here comes another Invest Talk question from 888.99 chart. Hey, Steve or Justin. I was hoping you could take a look at LA Financial. A-L-L-Y came up as an alert on uh, one of the uh, resources I use. It's in the uh, regional bank sector, which I know you guys have talked about in the past. I was just looking to see if this is a regional bank that you like. And if you do, if it's a buy or a good entry point. Thanks and looking forward to your answer on the podcast. All right. This is a great example of how you don't just go based on some category that some software puts it under. Uh, and I don't know which one you were looking at, but this is definitely not a regional bank. This is a financial service company, but it is mainly focused on automotive dealers and, and, and retail customers. So auto financing. And so it's not a regional bank. It's what we call specialty finance. Uh, so remember, always do that. Just because the name says one thing or some software puts it in a category, make sure you understand the business so you know whether what you're dealing with and don't once again rely on those. Um, so this is a company that's in a downtrend uh, and this is, I think, going much, much lower. Uh, earnings last year were $8.22, expect to be down 11% this year and 5% next year. The auto market is the subprime of this cycle. Uh, now, it's not nearly as large as subprime, uh, but the egregious, egregious lending practices in that space uh, allowed massive loan origination and helped auto lenders and uh, auto companies sell a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of cars. But that's all shifting. And the fact that the value of used cars is now in decline after being so high for so long, uh, that means the collateral that backs these loans is also in decline. So this is trending lower. And I think this is a probably a great short uh, more than anything. They do pay a dividend. So you have to pay that dividend if you short the stock. So I wouldn't necessarily say you should short it, but absolutely do not buy this. This is in a strong, strong downtrend and looks to go much, much lower. So anything in the auto lending space, I would absolutely pass on. Thanks for the call. Now we're more than halfway through the third quarter and Labor Day is coming up on Monday and there's no denying that the investment environment has, has evolved over the past year as we enter a more inflationary regime and tighter monetary policy. And the reality of the situation is that most investors are unprepared. Either they only dealt with uh, the market for a short period of time, or they don't have the time or expertise or data or discipline to make good investment decisions. So the question is, do you? And so I think it's time to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, which is just south of, south of LA in Orange County. And that's where we practice parallel investing which means we invest right alongside our clients and we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air. So I encourage you to reach out for our, take advantage of our free portfolio view assessment via telephone or go to meeting. You can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial office at 800-557-5461. 
We'd love to help you in any way. Just a short conversation can put you in the right direction. And the sooner you contact us, the sooner we can help get your portfolio optimized. Now, next up, we will play another listener question. Remember, when you call in with your question, you set the agenda. So hang on. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. When do I know the right time to take profits? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. So don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Hey, Stephen Justin, thanks for uh, taking my call. I'm wanting to hear what you all have to say about ZIM, Z-I-M, Integrated Shipping Services. Just wanted to hear your opinion on the uh, stock. All right, this is ZIM, Integrated Shipping. I remember this was actually uh, it's very memorable because I answered the question on June 6th. It was June, it was June 6th or June 7th. Um, and then on June eighth, it declined dramatically. And I said back then that I didn't like the trends in the shipping industry and uh, everyone's looking at the past earnings and they're extrapolating that forward, but the market is telling a different story. And the stock back then was in the high sixties. Now it's at 36. So it fell pretty, uh, pretty soon after that, all the way down to about the 50 level bounced around for a while. And now it's uh, taken another leg lower. And earnings are expected to drop 66% next year to $14.39 and continue to go down. Um, so uh, the market is telling you something. This is going to be a mean reversion stock. In pre-pandemic, they were losing money. 2019, they lost 15 cents. 2018, they lost $1.05. So, you know, as shipping costs decline fast, which they are, uh, their profits are going to decline fast, which they are, uh, and at least earnings expectations are. So uh, I would absolutely pass on Zim. Remember, always look for the market's always looking forward. Don't look at past earnings. Look at, or you can look at past earnings for trends and, and consistency and uh, long-term viability of their business. And if you look at this company, this was clearly a flash in the pan because of the pandemic and was not a great business beforehand. So they went public to, to capitalize on that. And now insiders may be dumping. They probably see the, the writing on the wall. Down 47% from its 52-week high and in a strong downtrend. So pass on Zim. Always invest through the rear view. Sorry, in the, through the windshield, not the rear view mirror. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch on buffer funds. And this is interesting because... It just shows you how often investors just chase the the latest story and, and the latest ETF uh, fad. And Innovator ETF is one of the, the ones that are launching a lot of these buffer ETFs. And record amounts are flowing into these type of funds. $6 billion in inflows this year, doubling last year's record inflows of $3 billion. And what they typically do is they will hedge on the downside. They're using options to hedge uh, uh, losses, um, but they also 
sell calls and they cap the gains. And that's really the main issues here is that the strategies are built to have less risk in the overall market. And that's certainly good. But long term, that capping of the gains is what's going to hold back the these funds. And, and in addition, uh, they're using a lot of uh, options to create these strategies, which means that they're not collecting the dividends either, which is a large percentage of the returns long term for the S&P or, or stocks in general. And the largest of the three funds, the JP Morgan Hedged Equity Fund, it closed to new investors in March of last year because of a surge of inflows. Uh, but an option trading funds, the Morningstar category that encompasses both hedged equity and buffer funds have grown to $56 billion from $16 billion in just four years. Now, the U.S. equity buffer ETF from Innovator Capital, uh, one of the top uh, in the space, was only is only down about 5.7% this year. But that's with a caveat. Uh, the funds fell. The fund fell about 11% through the first half down, when the SP was down 23%. So it did a lot better. But during the rebound, it was the the SP uh, rallied 11%, and this only rallied 6.8%. And so these buffer funds are interesting, uh, and a lot of people are saying, okay, they're outperforming the market over a short period of time. It just shows you how people view these things. Oh, I want to index but I want some protection on the downside. Here is a way to get that. And that story works well in the short term when you're in a rough market. But in normal market conditions, it's going to severely drag on your overall returns. And if you look at the fees that they're charging, the Innovator Fund charges 79 basis points. The average managed equity mutual fund, mutual fund, charges 68 basis points. So it's even more expensive than those more active choices. Now, uh, this just goes to show you that people are always gonna chase the latest fad and that's the latest fad and don't get caught up in it as a great long-term investment. Now this is Invest Talk. it's Wednesday, only two more trading days before the holiday. I'm Justin Klein, we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom and our work continues after this final break. So if you're gonna call, you wanna do that right now at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, question about Lumen Technologies, L-U-M-N. I have less than 1% in my portfolio. I was thinking about adding more because of the very nice dividend. My concern is that Lumen has a history of slashing dividends after a few years. Last time being in 2009, they slashed it by, I think, about 50%. And it looks like the way the earnings are going, the forecast is that by 2023, they may be making $0.97 cents a share for the year, and their dividend is about a dollar a share for the year. So it seems like their current dividend may be in jeopardy and I don't know if what your forecasts or what the charts are telling you is $10 a share a good price. Should I wait? Is there any 
thing in the future for this business that shows it will regain its growth. Just looking for some guidance to which or whether I should just get away from it, sell it, or if it's worth going long-term on this and buying some more. Thank you. All right. Good question. This is Luminant Technology, a company that we own for clients, and we really like this name. And the reason is for cash flow generation. They reiterated their 2022 EBITDA guidance of between 7 and 6.9 and $7.1 billion and free cash flow between 2 and 2.2. So let's say they even get to the low end of that cash flow range. That's a current market cap of $10 billion. That's 20% free cash flow yield, and they're paying 10% dividend. So they're their dividend is easily covered by their cash flow. In the second quarter, they generated 668 million in free cash flow and paid only 260 million out in dividends. So that's clearly uh, well covered for this year and likely next year. So they're trading at five times their free cash flow expectations this year, which is extremely, extremely cheap. And they're also repaying debts. So they have additional free cash flow. But they're not paying out as dividends. They're buying. They're, they're, they're paying down a lot of debt. They paid up down half a billion dollars in debt in the first half of this year. And we think that is a positive and they're selling $7 billion of assets as well in the near future that they're going to use to pay back debt as well as to fund their quantum fiber operations, which they added 25,000 new subscribers in the second quarter. So they're showing growth. That's where they're putting their, their efforts and their investment into those businesses and they're selling off a lot of their old businesses that are have low margin or don't have a strong competitive advantage and they're using that to right size the balance sheet and continue to invest in businesses that do have a good long-term potential and so that's why we like it uh, because yes historically they have cut their their dividend but their financials right now say there's no reason that they they need to do that uh, and so and, and everything's going along this turnaround that the management is uh, has embarked on. Uh, we like the plan. We think the plan is going well. Uh, and uh, yes, their their revenue is declining, but their margins are increasing because they're selling off in uh, low margin uh, businesses and letting negative margin business kind of roll off and, and cancel. And so uh, I think that's overall a good thing, a good allocation of capital. Now I can see from our studio clock that we have time for just one more caller question from 888-99-CHART. Hey, uh, I'm interested to buy this stock for a long-term investment in my Roth IRA, CWCO. Thank you so much. All right, looking at Consolidated Water Company. And this is out of the Caymans, Cayman Islands, engaged development and operations of seawater desalination. Ooh, interesting. Sounds like an expensive endeavor, but their business is doing very well. Uh, it's in a strong uptrend. Earnings this year expect to be up 217% and then 26% last uh, next year. Yields about 2.1%. Um, the chart, though, is look, look the, the momentum does look like it's uh, ready for a pause. So I would probably buy this on a pullback to the 100-day moving average. Right now, that's in the 1350 range. So... $14, that's where I would probably pick up Consolidated Water. Uh, I do think it is on a nice trajectory. It's very small, very risky, uh, but uh, good long-term profitability. So 
I'm going to give a thumbs up on consolidated water, but on a pullback to about 14. Thanks for the call. Well, I think that does it. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And as official, the Invest Talk downloads count has now crossed the 44.8 million mark, thanks to you. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.